think of every pressure on the quarterback you're buying a pull tab right pressures are good pull tabs are a blast and if you buy enough of them eventually you're going to win some money back and if you pressure the quarterback enough times eventually the sacks are going to come this is where wisconsin gathers to talk sports packers brewers badgers bucks the wisco sports show is on the air here's your host grant bills announcement from the Packers today, we're going to have another stock sale. So if you're not a Packers owner already and you want to be, looks like you'll have a chance. Um, between you and me, this can be a secret. Uh, I might just say that I bought some stock for show purposes. So not only am I a radio host, but I'm also a Packers owner, which means I can poo-poo other people's takes because I'm an owner. I'm not actually going to buy it, though. I'm going to save the money and then just for show purposes. It's like It's like a stage name. I'll be a stage owner. So the people who are listening now at 4.02 p.m. on October 27th, we can know that, but I I won't tell anyone else. So just heads up. I'm not going to buy stock. Whenever the Packers announce they're going to buy stock or anytime there's an announcement about stock, it's great because it's super cool, but it's also really annoying because you have all the people on Twitter and all the writers who aren't really in the Packers sphere like, well, actually, these stocks are worthless. You can't can't sell them in the secondary market. And I'm like, that's not the point, you idiot. You're not that smarter than everyone else we just don't care right what's the think about it what's the dumbest thing you've ever spent two hundred dollars on you know what that's the question of the day that's the question of the day for the show i'm gonna write it down right now i'm gonna tweet it over the next break because i don't know what the dumbest thing i've ever spent two hundred dollars on but i guarantee it's dumber than packers stock dumbest thing you've because i'll forget if i don't write this down spent 200 bucks on because I guarantee there's much dumber things that you could spend $200 on rather than Packers stock. But yet the, the rest of the world, they think they're so smart. Well, actually, Packers fans are getting ripped off. The, the stock isn't worth anything. Oh, okay. Okay. That Justin Fields jersey you bought, that's going to age well. That'll be worth a lot in two years. That's mean. I'm sorry. That was mean. That was too far. I didn't mean it. Bears fans, I'm sorry. I take it back. He's young. A lot of time. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. That's our financial minute for the show not going to talk any more about stocks because I know nothing about stocks and I don't own any stocks. I do know that Packers stocks are for fun and that's about it. Um, but I don't know what the markets are doing today. Uh, for example, I've not checked. So that's our financial minute. Going to talk a lot of Packers Cardinals tonight. Going to hear from a couple different players. The cool thing is this week on a short week, the Packers beat ha- have kind of asked the same question to every player. Not every single question, but one question that's been asked to Aaron Rodgers, to Matt LaFleur, to Aaron Rodgers. Why are you guys 6-0 and in the past without Devontae Adams? What's up, with, what's up with that? Why? And it was interesting to hear the different perspectives from Matt LaFleur, who's obviously a coach, or Randall Cobb, who's another wide receiver, or Aaron Rodgers, who's a quarterback. That was really cool this week. I think the Packers beat has had a couple of really good weeks in a row, giving us some good content to talk about and react to. So I want to do that coming up in a few minutes. We're going to take a look at Arizona's defense. I pulled some numbers today. I tell you what about what the Arizona defense is good at, what they like to do, and what they're poor at, and ways that we can exploit the defense. And maybe once we educate ourselves a little bit and we think about the strengths and weaknesses of the Cardinals, well, then maybe we can start to form a game plan, and we're going to have to do so with no Lazard, with no Adams, probably no MVS. And uh, we'll see. By the way, it was announced today, J.J. Watt's not going to play, which is a huge deal. He leads the Cardinals in pressures. It probably doesn't negate the Packers not having Devontae Adams, but it might level the playing field a little bit. DeAndre Hopkins, for example, a game-time decision as well. Another uh, 
star player, another star wide receiver, just not on the Packers. Can we borrow DeAndre Hopkins for the game? You think the Cardinals will be down with that? We're going to talk a lot about the Packers tonight. I'm very much looking forward to it. By the way, for our HBO watchers, um, at 5.55, we're going to do like four or five minutes on Succession because episode two of season three came out on Sunday. If you don't watch Succession, look, don't watch it if you don't want to. But if you're looking for something really good to watch and you've heard good things, the good things are for a reason. And that's coming from me, somebody who, if somebody tells me to watch a show, if enough people tell me to watch a show, it makes me not want to watch the show. Succession is worth the hype. I think it's the best thing on TV right now. It's really good. And it's really fun to talk about. So we're going to talk about episode three. It's been out since Sunday. So I think we're going to do Wednesdays every week, just a couple of minutes on Succession. If you haven't seen it and you want to catch up so you can be part of the conversations, okay, we'll just turn off the show two minutes early at the end so I don't spoil anything for you. Deal? Okay, that's coming up at the very end of the show. You're welcome to join on the phone. Send me a text, 608-796-2558, or follow and tweet me, at Wisco Grant. Another really slick, easy way to be a part of the show. I know I said, don't be mad at me. I know I said yesterday we weren't going to talk about baseball tonight. Um, that might have might have been a fib. <laughs> might have been a little bit of a lie. Just a little bit. I just want to talk a little bit about the World Series, the Braves, the Astros, and Major League Baseball. There's, there's a couple different components to last night that I want to talk about. Just for a few minutes is all. I, I want to talk about what's interesting. And there's only so many interesting things to say about the Packers right now. There's a lot of interesting things, but we got two hours, okay? I want to talk about what's interesting. I could play an entire Matt LaFleur press conference, and I could walk away. I could go to the bathroom and just leave it turned up, but that's not interesting to me. I do want to talk about baseball, and I was talking about last night. The game itself, bullet point number one, some of the storylines from this game, and then Rob Manfred, because Rob Manfred is either this genius that we don't understand, or he is a boob. And he makes Roger Goodell look good. And Roger Goodell looks terrible right now. So that's really saying something. I want to start with the game itself. It was over rather quickly. So if you were jaded on the World Series and, and you're like, I don't want to watch. The Brewers are done. Well, you only had to watch the first few innings last night. So that's the silver lining. We weren't up until 11 watching the game. Now, we didn't get any high leverage moments. There was no walk-off. Hopefully we get that at some point in the series. But in game one, it was over rather quickly. The Braves jumped out to an early 3 nothing lead and then a 5 nothing lead. And then it was... It was over in short order. They scored in each of the first three innings, the Braves did, which they flashed it on the broadcast. I don't know if it's never been done before, but it, it had been a while. It's not a feat that's accomplished a lot. A World Series game where an offense scores runs in each of the first three innings, especially in game one when everyone's really tight and everyone's a little nervous settling into the series and settling into the moment. The Braves just keep on humming. The Astros starter didn't have it last night. Valdez only went two innings. Gave up five runs, including a leadoff homer to Jorge Soler to, right from the jump in in the first inning. It was just all Braves early. The Astros' bullpen was actually really, really good. They covered eight innings, and they only surrendered one run. Well, I guess it would have been seven innings. My bad. Not ten innings. They played nine grams. So nine minus two would be seven. They covered seven innings, only gave up one run, and it was a pretty innocuous sack fly in the top of the eighth inning. The game was over at that point. It's not like the bullpen didn't come in and hold the fort down and give the offense for Houston a chance to get back into this game. The Astros starter just struggled last night, but this isn't new, right? The Astros, the last two rounds, have been having issues getting length from their starting pitchers for two reasons. Number one, because the starters they do have aren't pitching consistently. They've had good outings, but they're having trouble stacking good outings back to back to back. And then their elite starting pitchers, they're injured. Lance McCullers is now out. Zach Greinke is working his way back, but he's not really fully stretched out as a starter, so maybe they use him out of the pen here and there. So far through the postseason, they've covered 40 innings 
through their starting pitchers, and they've covered 57 through their relievers. Pretty big imbalance. Now, that'll change a little bit in the postseason. Bullpens get used a little bit more in the postseason because managers are a little bit quicker to manage. But Houston's really having trouble getting length from their starters, mostly because of injuries. And, folks, that's why you prioritize the health of your starting pitchers that the Brewers did. It didn't work out, but it was the right strategy. But I digress. We're not here to complain about the Brewers. I still think the Brewers are better than the Braves. When I watch, I'm like, man, Braves are hot. Braves are clicking. But I don't think they're a better team than the Brewers. I didn't think the Nationals were better than them in 2019 either. But sometimes it's better to be hot. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Like we talked about yesterday, the Mets and the Phillies, I think, blew their division more than Atlanta won it. I think the Mets completely tanking after the All-Star break. And the Phillies blowing save after save after save after save. They blew like almost 35 saves this year, which was the Major League Baseball record. They just couldn't win down the stretch. And Atlanta de facto kind of slid in as the winner of the NL East. And then last night, Altuve, Bregman, and Correa combined to go 0 of 12 at home in a really, really rowdy ballpark. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Sometimes it's better to be a middle-of-the-road team a rudderless team. Should we buy? Should we sell? Oh, the rest of the division went in the tank, and now we have some juice. We have some momentum. Oh, and we get into the postseason, and every team's one, two, and three hitters completely go in the toilet, like Wong, Adamas, Yelich, Garcia, Escobar. I can do anything. And now Altuve, Bregman, and Correa are taking the collar as a trio. They went 0 of 12 last night at home. Things are just lining up for the Braves. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And I think of other teams that have won championships. But I think in the NBA, which is kind of my powerhouse, the league that I typically reference for examples like this, the 2016 Warriors were that way. Now, they were an awesome team, unreal star power. Steph and Clay were at the absolute peak of their powers right before Kevin Durant got there. But teams had a tendency of pooping their pants a little bit against them. I think of that series against the Thunder and Kevin Durant's last action as member of the Thunder with Russell Westbrook. Remember, the Thunder were up 3-1, 3-2, in that series, right? And then in game five, both teams played pretty well. Warriors are just a little bit better. And then in game six, the Thunder shoot three of 23 from three, and Clay goes for 41, and it's like, man, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, please just close it out. Game seven, Russell Westbrook takes more shots than KD, barely outscores Serge Ibaka. In game seven, Russ had 19 points. Serge Ibaka had 16. Like, they just couldn't close the door. The Thunder kind of tightened up pooped their pants a little bit against the Warriors after taking a 3-1 lead. And then in 2018, now at this point, Kevin Durant has joined the Warriors, but Houston's up in the Western Conference Finals. The James Harden, Chris Paul, Houston Rockets team, the team that was really good, right? It was probably going to be Warriors, Rockets, whichever team advances into the finals against the Cavs, who were at that point, they were the LeBron James, Tristan Thompson, Kyle Korver, Rodney Hood Cavs. Right, Whoever came out of the West was winning the title. Houston was up 3-2, to two, and then Chris Paul gets hurt. Oh, great. And then the Rockets missed 27 straight three-point shots in Game 7. Because, of course. Because teams kind of had a tendency to do that against the Warriors. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Just ask Tom Brady. Tom Brady is very good. I can admit that. But if you go back and look at all these title runs, things fell into place from time to time. Some players, some teams, that happens. Some, not so much. And for the Braves... It's happening, right? The top of the batting order for all of these opposing teams just going in the tank, right? Teams dealing with injuries at the worst time. Teams going in the tank, right? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Someone who is neither lucky nor good 
Rob Manfred, sometimes I really wonder what his deal is. We're talking about commissioners. I think Adam Silver, we all kind of get who he is, what he does for the NBA, right? He's the more liberal commissioner, player empowerment. The stars are our moneymakers. I don't really have an issue relinquishing a little bit of power to the players. If they want to push back, okay, I'll give a little bit, right? He He's very liberal. There's, there's a lot of give to Adam Silver, and that's strategic. That works for his league. Now, sometimes things maybe teeter a little bit, and you're like, well, man, do the players have too much power? Okay, but, but that's the balance that Adam Silver walks. We kind of get his deal. With Goodell, I think we mostly get his deal. The NFL is a factory to print money. It's football. We all love it. It's perfectly fit for TV. If some players, like Kaepernick, don't fit, okay, we're going to get them out of there. We're going to bring in new guys. Oh, they don't want to protest the anthem, whatever. We're, we're going to power through this. Roger Goodell is a bulldozer, right? The NFL is a bulldozer league. Oh, with COVID? Okay, well, we're going to put our head down. We're going to smash through this. And whatever happens, we're still going to make money. It's still going to be great. Oh, there's a PR nightmare. We're still the NFL. We're going to put our nose down, smash through this. That's what we do. Now, sometimes I think Roger Goodell is, I I, I don't know. Sometimes I think the NFL does unpopular things knowing that it's unpopular and they just don't care. Every year, there's a new emphasis to begin the year. Right, A couple of years ago, it was, you can't lower your head to initiate contact. And we're like, what the hell? That's not going to work. And it was a mess. And it's all we talked about for the first couple of weeks of the season. And we're like, how could the NFL be this stupid? We all hate this. The players hate this. But what are we doing? We're talking about the NFL. The NFL knows that. And then this year, it's the roughing the passer. It's the taunting. It's obviously a terrible idea. Tom Brady was talking about it. The Manning cast the other night, he's been talking about it a lot. We're taking the physicality out of the game. Roger Goodell knows this. It's okay to be unpopular a little bit because it gets the people going. It's provocative. I feel like I get Roger Goodell. I definitely get Adam Silver. I don't get Rob Manfred at all. Part of me wants to think that he is a genius. And he gets the whole world to hate him for the good of his sport and the good of the pocketbook of his sport. But I I don't really see that the same way that I see it with the NFL. Sometimes I just think he's a total dweeb and he's a dummy. Last night, some of these quotes before the game, I'm reading them. I'm like, oh my God, why... Who briefed you? Who sent you in? If you watch Succession, it's like when Tom goes in front of Congress, Tom Wamsgans, and he just he just does a terrible job. It's like Rob Manfred. Did no one prep you? Are you that big of a bozo? Because we all talk about the uh, the blackout rules in Major League Baseball, right? It makes it harder for fans to watch their own team. Or like last night, the name of Atlanta's team, the Braves, that all out of nowhere became a topic of conversation that we're supposed to debate now. And I'm not saying I'm for or against. That's not the point. But this quote from Rob Manfred last night, he said, quote, we don't market our game on a nationwide basis. Ours is an everyday game. You got to sell tickets every single day to the fans in that market. There are all sorts of differences between the regions in terms of how the teams are marketed. (sighs) Okay, well, let's break that down. First of all, don't say that your sport isn't a nationwide sport on night one of the World Series, which is the fall classic. That's really stupid. What if I came on this show the day after the Packers won the Super Bowl? And I say, yeah, we're not really a statewide show. We're not really that. We're just kind of this little rinky-dink operation. Which, even if it's true, don't say it. Makes you sound weak. You're, 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 you're diluting the potency of your own product, of your own league. First of all, does that mean you black out games so they have to go buy tickets? It's like, well, we don't let the game go on in Atlanta. And that way, the people who live in Atlanta, they got to go buy tickets. That's absurd. There's half a million people that live in Atlanta. Truist Park, I looked it up today. Give it 40,000 people. What? And that's not counting the rest of the people that live in Georgia. But go off. 
I, I guess the regional logic in this instance is most damning and it's most messed up when it's applied to the mascot and the name of the team, which is the Braves. If you're saying that we need to keep the Braves name because every market is different, you know what? The people in the Atlanta market, they like a hinge of good old-fashioned family racism with their baseball, so we treat them differently. Like, what the hell are you talking about, Rob Manfred? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. This, this series is a mess for Rob Manfred because now we have a Native American imagery conversation. We have an upcoming uh, new CBA in December, which could lead to a work stoppage, which would be a nightmare. Oh, yeah, and the two teams in the World Series, one is in Atlanta, the market that he moved the All-Star game out of for political reasons, and the other is Houston, the team that he chose not to punish for cheating. So this is just great for Rob Manfred. And it sucks because I really love baseball. I wouldn't say I'm the purest of pure baseball fans or I'm a baseball lifer, but I love baseball. And I don't understand what my sports fandom would look like without the Brewers and without something on all summer long. And this is just this is just a nightmare. This is so stupid for a sport that I really, really like. Now, it's entertaining to talk about until it actually has effects. And there's a work stoppage. And then we have to deal with that this winter, which I desperately don't want to do. Oh, it's so dumb. All right, rant over. Packers. I want to talk about what some of the players and coaches have had to say this week. You know you're 6-0 and without Devontae Adams in the lineup? And they're like, yeah, we've heard. But they all gave an explanation as to why that might be. And it's very interesting to hear the different perspectives. We're going to talk about that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show. I'm going to get into the Packers here. I'm looking at some numbers surrounding uh, defensive tackles because it was announced today J.J. Watt isn't going to play tomorrow night. And you might think, oh, okay, J.J. Watt's a big name, rotational player. Eh, not the biggest deal. Actually, really big deal. He's their leader in pressures. But I found this chart using next-gen stats, which is ESPN's, right? That's where they get their numbers. And it's a grid, and on the Y-axis, you have pass rush win rate. And on the x-axis, the horizontal one, you have run-stop win rate. J.J. Watt has a better pass rush win rate than every single defensive tackle in the NFL, not named Javon Hargrave or Aaron Donald. And he's like fourth or fifth in run-stop win rate. He's better than Kenny Clark. He's better than Leonard Williams. Better than Larry Ogunjobi. He's behind what, and I'm just eyeballing this chart here. He's behind only Ed Oliver, Calais Campbell, Christian Wilkins, Sebastian Joseph Day. He's in one of the highest percentiles for both pass rush and run stop win rate. Really impactful player for them. One of their best. That's a big deal. It's not as a big deal as missing Devontae Adams. The line moved three points when it was announced that Devontae Adams is out. That's insane. You don't see line movement like that for players that aren't quarterbacks. That's nuts. I don't know if lacking J.J. Watt will now move the line. It won't move at three points, but maybe half a point, maybe a point. I'm not sure. I'm interested to see if that updates here in the next couple of hours, or maybe the Sharps have already updated. I don't know. I'm not a sharp Vegas gambler, so I'm not really on top of how quickly those things move, but maybe by the end of the show, we'll see a difference. My name is Grant Bills. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. You can text and call 608-796-2558. lot of Packers Cardinals. Just kind of had my spiel on baseball. It's going to be it. Maybe we'll revisit it a little bit when we set the show at 5 o'clock. But for now, no, I think we're good. I don't want to overdo you with baseball. I got the message loud and clear yesterday uh, that I've been maybe doing a little bit too much on baseball. That's fine. I listen to the people. It's what I do. Press conferences. I want to talk about press conferences. They're very interesting because on one hand, I don't care about them. 
for the most part. They're mostly cliches. Now, every once in a while, somebody will drop a bomb in a press conference. Aaron Rodgers would be like, it's about the people or whatever he said in his rant when he got back to Green Bay, right? That's substantive. That's a big deal. But mostly, you know, Packers win 24-17. Hi, Aaron. How, how do you feel about tonight's win? Oh, you know, we're good. You know, we made some good plays. But, hey, we, we left some plays out there. And, you know, we're just looking to get healthier and get better and, and take it week by week and, and one game at a time. And, you know, obviously we're not satisfied. We're not, you know, we're going to stay hungry. You know, this isn't our ultimate goal. Starting 6-1, and one, that's not our goal. You know, we're looking to, to keep this thing going and, and be one of the last teams in there. It's like, okay, well, that's nice. That doesn't really mean anything. That's mostly cliche press conference speak. On the other hand, press conferences and radio are kind of a perfect matchup, aren't they? We can listen to a clip and then react to it and then play the next clip or we can talk about the clip. We can play it again. Hey, did you miss that? Did you catch that? Right? It's perfect for radio, especially when it's a good topic. I really only like to play press conferences unless there's actually an interesting topic to talk about or, right, we can use... Uh, a, a clip from Rashawn Gary to add to what we're talking about. So if on the show, we're talking about red zone defense. Well, I'm going to talk for 10 minutes, but here's 30 seconds on what Kenny Clark said about red zone defense. I don't like to, to build a show around a press conference, but it's a, it's a seasoning. You know, a little dash of Kenny Clark here, a little pinch of Rashawn Gary to go with the main course. It's perfect, right? Now this week, the no Devontae Adams thing is perfect. It's perfect because you can ask everyone on the team, why are the Packers 6-0 without Devontae Adams the last couple of years? Why is that? And everyone's going to have a different perspective. You ask Randall Cobb, a wide receiver, he'll say one thing. You ask Matt LaFleur, he'll say another. Ask a defensive player. They, they're they looking at it from the other side, right? It's, it's a very interesting concept to get different members of the Packers team and the coaching staff talking about the offense and how the offense is ran and how Aaron Rodgers plays differently with different people and how different matchups impact things and what's the value of this weapon and this running back and this tight end. Is the perfect press conference topic. And I'm glad that the Packers beat this week has asked so many different people. So I thought we would listen to a couple different personalities, react, and kind of get our minds in the right headspace before next segment. I want to talk about actually what the game plan for the Packers might look like tomorrow. But I thought a little background knowledge from some of these players on playing in the past without Devontae Adams would be helpful. Starting with Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb is asked, did you know? You're six and zero without Devontae Adams the last couple of years. He responds. Yeah, yeah, we've heard that. Yeah, yeah we've, we've heard the six and zero. Isn't that kind of hard to believe, though? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that's testament to to this team, um, you know, and this this offense and the way that it goes. Uh, you know, he's a huge piece of it, um, but you know, we have to we have to fill in. Uh, there, there's other guys that have to step up and and make plays in different situations and. Um, we have to be able to run the ball and, and, and establish that and um, put ourselves in situations to convert on third down and, and get in the red zone and score points. Well, let's talk about the conversion on third down because I'm going to forget about it if I don't address it right now. Down and distance become really, really important without a player like Devontae Adams. We've seen on third and long or in the two-minute when Rodgers and Adams can little wink and a nod. He knows where to go. Rodgers knows where he's going. He'll put the ball there. It's kind of the fail-safe, right? Like, break glass in case of emergency. Oh, shoot, it's third and 12. But you know what? We have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. We can dig out of it. Without that safety blanket, you need to be a little bit more cognizant of how you operate your offense on first and second down. You can't waste plays because every play is going to matter so much more. Third and 10, it's not a death sentence without Devontae Adams, but it's certainly a bigger problem, right? So we want to live in shorter down and distances. Or you know what? Let's run to the let's run to the flats. Let's run the bootlegs. Let's run the crossing patterns. Let's try to avoid third down 
altogether. That would be great, even if we got to do it five, six yards at a time. Randall Cobb also mentioned you got to be able to run the ball. Agreed. If you look at the last two years when they've played without Devontae Adams, especially two years ago, because two years ago, the Packers offense, they went 13-3, and three and they got a good seed, but that offense wasn't humming like it was in 2020. The rushing was the best part of that offense, minus Devontae Adams, and the rushing totals without Adams in the lineup that year was just nuts. Of course, we remember the Dallas game. Aaron Jones rushed for 107 and had four touchdowns and then caught 75 worth or 75 yards worth of uh, receiving offense, too. That game against Kansas City, that was the Matt Moore game. Right, that was Matt Moore. Who do they have now? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to derail the show. Who is the quarterback? Do I have the right one? Matt Moore, Kansas City. He played last week. Kansas City backup quarterback. This has no relevance to the show. Now I'm just, I'm just interested. They played the backup who was Matt Moore at the time. Chad Henney. That's who it is now. That's right. So the Packers two years ago played against Matt Moore. Now it's Chad Henney. But in that game, Aaron Rodgers playing without Devontae Adams. Jones goes for 67 on the ground. 159 through the air, and two touchdowns. They really leaned on Aaron Jones in 2019 without Devontae Adams. Now, the perspective from one Matt LaFleur. Why do you play so well without Adams? Uh, That's a great question. It's just, I I think that's a great testament to the other players that we have on this football team, being able to go out and do their job at a high level um, and go out there and execute. So certainly we're going to miss 17. Uh, He does a lot for this football team, brings a lot of leadership, obviously his playmaking ability. And, um, but you know, those are the circumstances that are dealt and our guys understand that the, the standards and expectations don't change. The standard is the standard. That's see, that's a coach's answer. Let's next man up. Sure. Devontae Adams is out, but we keep going. We go to the next guy and the next guy, right? That's that's the footballism. Of course, of course, a coach would give an answer like that. They don't have a number two wide receiver, but they do have other weapons to use. Here's a big difference. They have a lot of options. None of them are a strong number two wide receiver, but they do have options. We're going to talk more about that. Finally, Aaron Rodgers, why do you think you play so well without Devontae Adams? This is the last one we'll listen to. I don't know. Uh, We're not a better team without him, that's for sure. I'd have to look at each of those games, but we've just found a way. In those games, uh, I think to the Atlanta game from a couple years ago, I guess last year, and I threw two whole shots to running backs, which I hadn't done in a long time. One to Jamal and one to Aaron. Bobby had a big game. Uh, you know, we just kind of find a way. This is the Saints game the same year. I remember Allen had a real big game before getting uh, injured later on. That one, Bobby had a big game in that one. He ran the ball well. So, you know, other guys just got to step up. That makes sense. I like how he's matchup specific. Talks about, well, I'd have to look at the Atlanta game. Well, that was the Robert Tunyon game. I'd have to look at this game, that game, the other thing. Coming back next, I have a quote from Vance Joseph, who's the Cardinals defensive coordinator. And we referenced this yesterday, but I think I have an analogy that'll help put his comments in a little bit better perspective. I think they're a little bit more digestible now that I've had time to think about what he said. We'll talk about that coming up next. I also have a reference from a movie from the 90s that I think is perfect. If you follow me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, I tweeted out the clip, but I think I have the perfect way to sum up what's going on in the Packers meeting rooms for the offensive coaches right now, and it's from a Tom Hanks movie. That's the teaser. Maybe you can think of it. Maybe you can figure it out. We'll do all of that. I love tonight's show. We're just getting started. We're going to have a ton of fun. I love these topics. I love our stories today. We're going to continue this coming up next. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had a wonderful day. Text and call 608-796-2558. Follow and tweet at Wisco Grant. Lots of ways to join in on the show if you want. And if not, just kick back and enjoy. You've had a long day at work or doing whatever you're doing. You don't need to call in and carry the show. I bone off today. I did a lot of prep. Did a lot of reading. Did a lot of uh, work today. And I'm very excited about the show. I love some of these topics. I got baseball out of the way with. We might do a little bit more at five just when we kind of reset the show, but... For those of you that are done and sick of baseball, we're close. It's the World Series. We do have to give it a little bit of the time of day. Tonight, I'll probably watch Bucks wolves over game two, but I'll have it on in the background. I'll do the two TV thing, but I'll probably be more locked into the Bucks game. But I'm not going to ignore it. It's the World Series. We're going to talk just a little bit about it. But right now, Packers offense. And I, I want to get back into this conversation after that five-minute break by this quote from Vance Joseph, Cardinals defensive coordinator. And it's something that I referenced on yesterday's show. And then Mike Clemens referenced it again. We say things like this as Packers fans. But it's really weird to hear it from a defensive coordinator of an opposing team. Here's the quote. And it's regarding the the absence of Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams not being in the lineup tomorrow night. Quote, sometimes it helps them to play an even cleaner game. He's not forced to force the ball to Devontae Adams. When you have a guy like Adams, who's a volume pass catcher, You could kind of trap him into throwing the ball to Adams. But without Adams, it's going to force Aaron to play a true game. And that's sometimes dangerous for us. But he's played his best ball with Adams. And again, not having Adams is not good for them. But it's going to force Aaron to play a cleaner game. History shows you he's played good. So we'll see how it works out Thursday. Packers fans all the time, we notice this. We we don't say that they're better without Devontae Adams. But Rodgers probably plays a cleaner game. If Rodgers played all the time like he plays without Devontae Adams, then I think they'd be much better. I think that's the way that I would word it. Cleaner, right? There's less clutter. There's less forcing. And I thought of, I'm going to use a guitar analogy, so buckle in. I couldn't find a way to work this into fishing. Although I I suppose I could, but I went guitar here. So if you're playing a a concert or a show, most guitar players, they have their guitar on their shoulder. They have their amp, which is plugged in. And then in between the amp, if it's an electric guitar, most guitar players have a pedal board. It's just a little square. If you ever go to a show and you look down on the floor, Even in like a bar, it doesn't have to be a huge show. Like even in a bar or like a small local music venue, there'll be a board on the floor. This look like this little platform and it's covered in all of these switches and pedals. And these things, like they change how the guitar sounds. They have millions of different ones. They do all sorts of different things. Some just make it louder, make it sound more fuzzy or crunchy. Lots of different things. There's a pedal for everything. And a lot of times I think, and I'm not that good of a guitar player, so I'm not on my soapbox here. But a lot of times when you have too many pedals, you have too many things going on, the guitar player starts to focus on that, stops focusing on actually playing the guitar. Whereas I think sometimes when I play guitar, when I play best, it's without all that crap. It's just like, hey, I'm going to plug into my amp, or maybe I'll have a a pedal that makes me a little bit louder just so it's easier for the crowd to hear me when I want to play a solo or whatever, and that's it. And I think maybe Devontae Adams is the pedal board in the Packers offense, right? You have Aaron Rodgers, he's your guitar, and then the offensive line, maybe they're the cables, and then the amp is the running game. And then Devontae Adams is this, this board full of shiny buttons and things that light up and all these knobs that you can adjust. And in a perfect world, 
right? The guitar player would focus just the right amount on the pedals. Hey, when I need to use the pedals, I'm going to kick this on or I'm going to use this. And when everything's working in perfect harmony, everything's balanced, right? You use the pedals only when you need to use them. You focus on the guitar playing. You need to focus on it. You tweak your amp when you need to tweak your amp. But some guitar players get so focused in on how many pedals can I use? How many things can I turn up and turn down? How many switches can I flip and how many buttons can I push? Whereas in a perfect world, like I said, you only use the pedals when you need them. And that makes everything perfect. Because for some songs, you need a certain sound, and then you need to get a little pedal action going. And with Devontae Adams, there's a correct amount to force him the ball. There's a correct amount to dial in on him. But then other times, you need to back off a little bit. You need to play cleaner. So there's this balance that Aaron Rodgers needs to find, and I think that's what defensive coordinator Vance Joseph was talking about. And that's how I visualized it as a guitar player. I suppose if you were talking about fishing, Like, I would just recommend fishing with a bobber and a worm because that's simple and clean and easy, and that's the most fun way. There's less clutter. Maybe that would have been an easier analogy. Either way, something for guitar players. And if you don't play guitar, you're not a musician, maybe you learn something. Maybe. Next time you go see a show, look on the ground. If the guitar player is obsessing and staring at his feet the whole show, he's probably distracted, might miss some notes. I I don't need to be distracted to miss notes. I'm just not a very good guitar player. But if you go to a show, just look on the ground and be like, oh, yeah, there's Devontae Adams. He's on the floor. All those little things that light up the guitar player won't stop messing with. Yeah, that's Devontae Adams getting too much attention. We heard from Aaron Rodgers. We heard from Randall Cobb. We heard from Matt LaFleur. I thought we talk about the Arizona Cardinals a little bit because their defense is unique. And I didn't really know this until today when I started digging in on it. I thought, all right, most NFL defenses these days, you play cover two, two high safeties. You force teams to go underneath. You blitz when you need to, but you back off when you can. That's kind of the modern NFL defense. And it was Fangio first, and now Staley's really leaned into that, especially against Patrick Mahomes. Nobody blitzes Patrick Mahomes. We're just going to sit back, beat us four yards at a time. That's the modern NFL defense now. And the Cardinals do that to some degree, but they also play a lot of one-high safety, and they play a very aggressive form of defense. They're very boomer bust. Now, over the last three games, they've been best in the NFL and expected points added, EPA allowed per play. So on a play-by-play basis, the teams that they're going against Not good on a play-by-play. They're not making a lot of progress and leading to a lot of scoring. But according to the PFF grades, they're 29 against the run. They're 22 in defensive stops, which is basically defensive win rate. And they're 27th in depth of tackle. So what they're doing is they're forcing these huge splash plays when they need to. Now they give up some yards here and there. But they make enough big damaging, big explosive plays to make up for it. Not really how most modern NFL defenses work. A little bit funky. Very aggressive. They'll get burned, but they're very aggressive, which is kind of the inverse of that too high force teams to run the ball and, and go low and slow. We'll talk more about how to attack that here in a sec. First to the phone, Scott, 608-796-2558. What's up, Scott? Hey, real quick. Uh, yeah. A couple things. Before the Packer game on Sunday, ESPN did a thing about uh, who had the best uh, defensive lineman dance for getting a sack, mm-hmm. and Gilbert Brown was nowhere to be seen. I feel like his dance was utterly wonderful. Uh, part of defensive linemen, in my mind, is that their stats don't actually show how much they contribute. Yeah. And he's a good example, but so is J.J. Watt. Because if you've got J.J. Watt on the line, then you've got to double-team him every play. And that's why he's so crazy when he's up with uh, Davian Clowney or now they've got, I'm forgetting the name, the other lineman for the Cardinals. You know, Ch- you put J.J. Uh, Ch- Watt Chandler? up. Chandler? Chandler Jones? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, I mean, his numbers are crazy, but it's because they're having to do double teams that they don't have enough bodies for. Um, So, anyways, I think that the J.J. Watt loss is going to be huge for them in terms of now they're just going to have to double team Chandler Jones. 
And, um, you know, pro football focus, I think that that's a commodity that uh, you keep referencing those stats. Uh, baseball has fan graphs. Uh, pro football focus came along and was really helpful to try to break into those types of stats. That's what these guys are actually doing. Mm-hmm. But then they chose the path of, you know, money. You can't <laughs> publicly access half the stats anymore. So we need guys like you who have subscriptions to break them down. So I appreciate that you're referencing that stuff that's literally invisible to me, and they're the only source for some of that. But, yeah, J.J.'s done great in Arizona. Good for him. Yeah, good for J.J. Watt, who I can't stand. Thank you, Scott. I like you much more than I like J.J. Watt. Thanks for the call. (laughs) Have a good night. The Pro Football Focus, I think you just need to know how to use the stats. right? They have a stat for everything. Where Where I fall off a little bit is grades, right? It's not that they don't matter. It's not that they're not accurate. It's like, oh, Kenny Clark was the second highest graded defensive lineman in the NFL this week, according to Pro Football Focus. Okay, that's nice. That means he had a really good game. I don't really know what it means because I don't understand the algorithm and the models they used to come up with those grades, right? Like things like that. What I do take into account is the stats that are a little bit next level, right? You're talking about defensive stops, uh, EPA allowed per play, Tackles per loss, no gain, which are a little bit harder to find through some other platforms, but also like average depth of target, average depth of reception, that kind of thing. I also don't have a pro football focus subscription. I just try to find these stats when writers use them in their in their articles, and then I write them down. It's expensive, man. It's not cheap. Man's got to pay for league pass. I got to buy beer. It's not cheap. But the Cardinals, it does a really good job. These PFF numbers do a really good job illustrating what the Cardinals defense is all about, right? They're not good against the run. They don't often win play after play after play after play, getting stops. They're oftentimes tackling guys farther down the field. But when they're not, they're really, really, really good at getting tackles for loss, getting tackles for no gain, and blowing up plays because they run blitz all the time. They're aggressive. And that's great because that can force punts, that can back teams up, that can force mistakes. But if Arizona doesn't get home and the team is able to get the ball out or get the run through the correct gap, then Arizona is liable to get gashed, and they do quite a bit. So the Packers need to match that, right? They need to be okay with an unsatisfactory play here and there. Oh, you hand the ball to Aaron Jones, and he gets stuffed. Okay, well, that doesn't mean you shouldn't hand it to him on the next play because the next play he might go for 50 because that's the nature of this Cardinals defense. You need to be patient, which worries me a little bit because Rodgers is a lot of things. I don't know if patient is one of them. Maybe being without Devontae Adams will help with that in this game. So if you think of what weapons the Packers have at their disposal to go at this, to go at this defense, a defense that's very aggressive and hits a lot of home runs, relatively speaking, a tackle for a loss is a home run, I think, in, in the sense of an NFL defense. But they also give up a lot of big plays. So, so how do we do that? I'm trying to think of the weapons the Packers have at their disposal. And today I thought and I laughed because I don't see a lot of movies, but I have seen a bunch of random ones. And I thought of the movie Apollo 13 which I didn't realize how many famous people there were. I remember Tom Hanks, and I remember Ed Harris, who I love, but I didn't remember Bill Paxton, Kevin Bacon, or Gary Sinise. I don't remember half the people in this movie, so I was looking at it today. This movie's from what year? What year is it from? It's got to be... Now my computer froze. Great. Who cares what year it's from, I guess. My bad. Just trying to do the research here. It's from 95. Okay, that sounds about right. So there's this scene. Well, it's the whole premise of the movie. They're screwed in the spaceship. And they need to filter out a bunch of gas from the space shuttle, and they don't know how to do it. They have a square filter, but they need a round one. But they don't have a round one, so they're, they're looking at every component on the space shuttle back at Mission Control. And they're like, this is everything on the ship. How do we concoct a recipe of 
something that will work with these ingredients. And I went and I saved the audio from the scene. And this is what I've been thinking about today in regards to the Packers trying to plan up an offensive game plan without their three best wide receivers. It just isn't a contingency we've remotely looked at. Those CO2 levels are going to be getting toxic. Well, I suggest you gentlemen invent a way to put a square peg in a round hole. Rapidly. Okay, people, listen up. People upstairs, Candidates this one, and we got to come through. We got to find a way to make this fit into the hole for this. Using nothing but that. Let's get it organized. Okay. First of all, that character had only a few lines, and he absolutely leaned into him. He's like, we got to make this fit into this using nothing but that. It's like, all right, take it easy there. <laughs> when I was watching that scene back today, it made me laugh. So this is what the Packers offensive coordinators and the coaches are doing in the room. It's like, okay, what do we have to work with? We have this, we have this, we have this, we have this. We don't have Adams, so forget about that. We don't have MVS. We don't have this. But we got to score 30 points or we're going to lose to the Cardinals. So how do we do it? How do we make it work? What chess pieces do we still have? And who can we use to create some big plays to put points on the board come Thursday night? I want to continue talking about this coming up next because I have an idea. It's not a creative idea. It's the obvious idea. But it works. It's Aaron Jones to spoil. I mean, it, it has to be Aaron Jones. And we'll explain more why coming up next. First, an update from Mike Clemens. Wisco Sports Show back after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers preparing for tomorrow night against the Cardinals in Arizona. Wide receiver Alan Lazard added to the COVID-19 reserve list, along with Devontae Adams. Aaron Rodgers on facing the undefeated Cardinals without the NFL's highest-rated receiver. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of a shock factor for sure when it's Devontae, but we dealt with it last year. You know, we're maybe slightly more healthy than some of the other teams as far as not having as many cases, but there have been cases here. You know, we've dealt with them, but when I heard 17, I was uh, hoping that uh, it was going to be one of those false positives for sure. Packers wide receiver Randall Cobb. Uh, Tate not being there, we, we understand how good of a player he is and what he means to this team, and his presence is going to be missed. But, you know, the train goes on, and we have to prepare and have to get ready for the game and do our best to go out and, and make the plays when we have those opportunities and put our team in a situation to win the ballgame. Lazard apparently unvaccinated and won't be able to play because he came in close contact with someone who tested positive. Packers head coach Matt LaFleur asked if he's frustrated. Yeah, certainly anytime you don't have your guys, that's, that is a competitive disadvantage. But uh, as far as, you know, listen, everybody's got choices in this in this world. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit there and criticize people for doing what they believe is right. So it is what it is, and we'll make the best of it. Best Packers coverage. Matt LaFleur, I think that's the perfect breakdown of that. Yeah, it sucks. He's not vaccinated. We won't have him for the game, but he's doing what he thinks is right. Not going to criticize him. Even in his head, he's like, oh, that bastard, I swear. I just I need to win on primetime. If we get blown out, so help me God, because he wouldn't get a vaccine. That's probably what he's thinking probably better that he didn't say it this is the wisco sports show my name is grant bills the voice you just heard mike clemens he'll join the show tomorrow right before kickoff basically about an hour and a half before kickoff at 5 30 we'll speak with him for one final injury report and it's already announced today jj Watt's not gonna play we don't know about deandre hopkins these thursday night games can 
give us some surprises in the middle of the week because it's such a short turnaround. So lucky to have Mike yesterday. I think especially lucky to get him tomorrow because he will really give us a last minute breaking news update before we get ready for kickoff. A couple of texts here, some ideas about how the Packers might attack the Cardinals. Josh in Sparta says Amari Rogers coming out game. I love that idea. I don't know if he's quite ready and I don't know if the Packers are going to trust him yet. I love him in pre-snap motion, in helping maneuver and manipulate the defense to help the running game. Love that. In a patch casting capacity, I'm not sure yet. Jamie at Ken's Barbershop on the north side. Getting my haircut next week, which is maybe why he's like, all right, finally he set a haircut appointment. Now I will participate in his show. <laughs> Jamie says, Amari isn't quite there, but maybe Josiah DeGuara Dark Horse. As a Dark Horse, yeah. I like Josiah DeGuara in every game as a Dark Horse because before the season, I thought maybe just maybe breakout season for Josiah DeGuara. Maybe. It'd be cool. We'll see. I don't know. I, I got to think Buda Baker and some of the bigger, faster, stronger, more talented linebackers, Isaiah Simmons, Xavier Collins, and then, would I say Buda Baker? Right. That'll probably go to Robert Tunyon. So maybe Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara sneak into the cracks and have some production. I'm not sure. Mad Mike says, Grant, I just heard lacrosse is electrifying the carp in the rivers up there so they don't get to the Great Lakes. Do you read about every bit of news from this area except for sports, Mad Mike? Yesterday, you want to know about the rotary lights getting stolen, which is terrible. I agree. Um, But yes, it looks like they're going to electrify some carp. I am nature guy. Keep up with the DNR and conservation guy, but I'm more of the trout stream guy. So I'm going to look south. I'm going to look to the Driftless. I'm not always up to date with what's going on in the river, but yeah, we're not letting them get to the Great Lakes. They're going to shock them, tag them, pull them out. I don't know. You probably know more than me, Mad Mike, but thank thank you. I'm probably not the guy to ask, but I'm flattered that you asked me about electrifying carp. Appreciate that. Let's get an update from Zach Heilpern. We'll keep talking Packers coming up next. (laughs) 